welcome to another edition of the official Wigan Warriors podcast brought to you by the Skinny Food Co. I'm Joe Mills and I'm delighted to introduce my co-host Alistair Hancock. Thanks Joe. Each episode we talk about a different topic to give you an insight into what it's like to be part of the Wigan Warriors club. Um, this week we are inviting Daryl Goulding, head of youth of Wigan Warriors. Yes, we will uh, discuss his journey from Super League star to successful coach and of course the recent awarding of elite status to the Wigan Warriors Academy. We'll also catch up with the under-19s head coach Shane Eccles and get his thoughts on the season so far. So Daryl, welcome to the, the podcast. Um, after such a long time away from the game, I suppose you'd be delighted to, to get some, back to some kind of normality again. Yeah, it's been a very long period. I think we've, we've obviously what's happened. It's been strange having the, the players train away from the venue uh, for so long now. And, and like you said, getting back into the games now, I think it's uh, it's gone from 14 months of doing nothing to having some lads who's played three games in a week. So uh, it's probably been a bit crazy, but yeah, we're, we're glad to have them back. Now, you're head of youth. Uh, could you just briefly explain what that means on a day-to-day basis? Uh, on a day-to-day, my, my job is, is probably quite varied in terms of it, it starts obviously with a pathway from the under-14s uh, who, who enter our club really. They're looking at uh, probably scouting recruiting to join our scholarship to dealing with loans at first team level so it's probably a bit here there and everywhere at times and uh, I quite like that to be honest it, like I said it brings variety to me to my day and um, the fact that I'm involved at all different stages and the players going through is is something what uh, is very rewarding I think seeing them kids go all the way through that. Now, how difficult was it organising the academy this year I mean with everything that's been going on I mean what what was the if you like the toughest challenge? Uh, the toughest challenge, I think, was something that probably surprised me in some ways, because I've probably not dealt with it before, was just the motivation. Yeah. In terms of, I know it sounds daft, I think people would think, obviously, the motivation would be a thing you'd have to deal with, but in terms of some of the lads who, this is all they've ever wanted, to suddenly, not, not sure if they want to play rugby, a couple of lads and things like that, just because it's been such a big difference, and speak to some of the lads and get them into a routine of, because uh, at first we had some lads who, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, would still be in bed. Yeah. Uh, not doing anything so to get them back into a normal routine and keep them almost engaged as a group really because I think the, the thing when I spoke to a lot of them was the, the, the biggest fact to come away from that they missed just seeing the mates that, that was the biggest thing and I think as soon as they got back in our environment we, we quickly got back to normal really then You've had to adapt as well with the number of players that actually missed out last year How, in terms of the under-17 side do you want to just explain what, what that side is this year? Yeah, the, the under-17s is, is obviously a new concept re- revolving around the COVID situation. In terms of the under-17s age group, obviously normally are with the academy. Uh, we do actually have a group of them already signed who are playing academy, uh, but also they've put on four fixtures for that age group this year, just to, as they've missed out on them fixtures, give them a chance really to show what they can do. And, and also, even if they don't go on to play first team or, or whatever, I think they, they deserve a chance to, to wear the shirt what they've they've earned through these years through the youth. So it gives an opportunity to kick on, uh, but also an opportunity to, uh, to to represent our pro club. But the, it's a funny aspect because, like I said, you've got some sign players who are playing academy mixed with some who are not. Mm-hmm. There were some still playing in the amateur game. So uh, Danny Fulton has actually led that team this year as coach, who's assistant for the, for the academy team. But it's very much they, they often don't have a team running, they're just thrown together mm. on match day. Uh, but they all know what the club means to them, and, and I think we've had a couple of decent performances from them. Now, of course, as I mentioned uh, at the top of the show, recently the club, um, and it's only one of ten, I believe, has been awarded elite status for the academy. Can you tell us about the process of that? Uh, it, it's something more as a as a sport we've done quite often really the accreditation and the, and the license phasing with the academy 
usually every few years. So, so this this period now will last for six years. What we've been granted. Right. Uh, there will be a period during that where they probably look at some some more bids, really, from the teams who've been rejected. Um, it involves basically producing a document that gives an overview of of all our procedures from the scholarship page all the way through to academy and our intentions with reserves that was a big big factor this year yeah. obviously we was a club who was massively behind the reserves coming back next season uh, but yeah it's showing the staffing the managerial structure really of the outcome financially uh, was a big was a big factor this year with the sky money and different things like that in terms of how you run your academy how you can you fund it and, and proof of that cool. so that's a big section of that uh, but also the main the main area is the pathway of players and how many are you actually producing that go on to play super league uh, i know it's been a very contentious subject this with the academy license mm-hmm. and i don't think it, it's going to go where soon really i think it's something that uh, there'll be there'll be more things as you see in the press with it really I mean, some clubs have, have missed out, as we know, and some have been simply rejected. Um, what does what does it mean for an academy to, to get rejected like that? Uh, if, if I'm honest, in, in my role, I, f- I find it crazy to f- the thought of we wouldn't have that. Uh, in terms of some of these clubs, and I, I don't know some of the ins and outs, obviously, with the AFL, what they've looked at, uh, but the likes of, of Hull have obviously what really are having the, going back to the two academies after City Hull. Um, and we've also got, obviously... Um, Castleford there with the decision. It's tough because these clubs rely on young players coming through. So it's I understand obviously there's things what they're looking into mm-hmm. player pathways and things like that and what and what they're producing. But I can't imagine from us as a club because we belong believe massively in the youth coming through here. I think we are the number one. That's part of the thing with the academy <coughs> is in terms of how many lads come through our club and go on to play Super League. So for for us it would be like I said I can't even imagine what my job would be like if we didn't have this in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there was a bit of a backlash to it, wasn't there? Mm. I mean, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, I suppose first and foremost, you were just chuffed that we got it anyway. But yeah. as you said, there's some clubs that are quite indignant about it, aren't they? Yeah, it's a tough one. I think it's a really, really tough decision. I yeah. think you look at the, like I said, from a rugby league point of view, I know when you, when you speak to some of them and, and ask some of these these decisions, it they'll talk about the plays in the game. And, and, and I totally understand that. And I think... They, they use the example of Hull saying it's, it's something like I think one in four kids will be an elite player, which I understand that that's not true either. Yeah. Uh, so there are reasons behind, I think, some of these decisions, but I also just feel massive sorrow just for the, the players in these clubs are really to, they've all had dreams and it's sort of been taken away from a little bit mm-hmm. with, with these decisions. And, and also staff at a club, especially telling these kids, parents and other staff members that there may possibly not be jobs for them going forward. I think it's a... It's a sad, it's a sad time, really, for the sport. Yeah. In, in in your eyes, what what are the biggest challenges that you know the game faces in regards to youth development in you know relating to this elite elite academy? Uh, I, I think the 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 tough things. I don't think really not from the academy point of view in, t- in terms of the licensing because I think rightly or wrongly, cl- clubs are clubs. I think they'll be there'll be lads who'll be going for these plays from Castleford if, if it ends up going that way and, and a whole other thing but I think there'll, there'll still be opportunities there might not be as many opportunities yeah. for them like somewhere like Hull for instance is probably quite a different place because it's so isolated from the other towns that some of them won't have the same chances I would imagine mm. uh, but I think the, the biggest battle we've got which I'm seeing quite regularly is, is more uh, modern life and things like that with children in terms of we get kids in now I look at kids from it's strange. I look at some kids at ten, and I'll be watching. It's a weird job, this. But you see, some, but sometimes you just see kids playing football on a park or whatever, and you're watching them. And I think there's a lot of kids who can't run like they used to be able to run. And uh, some of these skills, what they've got movement-wise, have gone away. And I think that's a, a big thing as a, as a club, really. What we're doing for our community foundation, going into some of these places to educate them on that. I think almost to 
get kids off the computers as much as we mm. can, uh, things like that. And also, I think we're probably going to see the effects of, of things like football in the town a little bit with Wigan Athletic. I think we'll have an effect on uh, more kids growing up with football, what have probably not done it in the, in the past. So I think there's lots of challenges, but I think uh, it's an exciting time. I think for, for my role, I think it's exciting. I want to go into, like I said, with the help of the foundation, go into schools and, and get schools rugby going again. I think schools rugby is probably... Um, Played a bit really in numbers and things over the years, but I know we've done some great work. The other week I drove past, there was a festival going on and there was loads of kids playing over the soccer dome pitches. Uh, I think that'll be great to see. And I think we just need to get kids engaged in playing sports and, and almost some of the, the enjoyment of it. And I know from an amateur rugby league point of view, championing how much Barla can do for these kids. If, yeah. if you don't want to play a professional game, you can travel the world if you're good enough. And I think them opportunities sometimes don't get sold. It's always mm. the pro game, the pro game. And when it doesn't quite happen, even if that's at 14, they drop away some of the kids. Mm. Yeah. I mean, relating to that as well, you know, tell us about the, the, the scouting eye that you've got. What, what do you instruct your scouts to, to look for in, in juniors when, when they're out there and looking at rugby league juniors on the pitch? Uh, it's a bit of a mix, I think, I think in terms of we, we have a escort so every weekend. I think they're, they're probably known to everyone in the amateur game. I think everyone would know a lot of these, these people. Uh, it's a bit of a mix. Obviously, we look for rugby players. We'll, that will never change out, out and out what you would... <clears throat> I think, the, you know what I mean? People will know I me mean, when they say, oh, he's a, he's a real rugby player. In terms of that rugby brain and, and little things they see, uh, I think that's something we'll always look for. But there is probably an emphasis now as well on, on athletes really spotting. I think the way the game's going, and especially the NRL probably, um, it's producing better and better players from that. And I think to take on the top sides and especially to challenge these top clubs in the NRL is what we want as a club. We do have to look at a little bit of that. But mm. I do also, I'm trying to bring through all the youth now about in the terms of, I still don't want robots to get them athletes in. We want to make them rugby players and get skilled, skilled as much as we possible. Mm. The game is probably um, too structured for my liking, if I'm honest. And I think it's, I think a lot of people will feel the, feel the same. And we want to bring back players who think for themselves a bit and are created and take chances and, and that's something we're looking to do. Can you name any of the scouts that, that work for you or you know, what's, what's the importance of, of having a scout on board? Uh, we've got lots of scouts, I think Jack Roden, Chief Scout, has been here for a long time. I think everyone in Wigan would, would know Jack, he's been here from the days of, of Central Park and uh, brought a lot of players through. I think everyone, he's a brilliant role model in terms of everyone in Wigan kids-wise would know him, parents, everyone, so he's a great concept for the club. Uh, John Jackson, uh, he's from the St. Helens area, he played, played for the club a, a long time ago. Uh, everyone would know Jack O'Reilly in the amateur game again. Mm. Um, we've got quite a few now. Ken Owens come on board, he's, he's uh, again had a lot with, with the amateur game. Steve Dudley the same, uh, Ben Rollins, Dave Daniels, uh, Mike Roach. We've got quite, quite a big network and it's always continuing to grow. I think it's, uh, there's more and more games going on and, and we want to be the club that's always at the forefront of spotting this talent really. Well, shortly we'll be catching up and getting some more info about Daryl, particularly on his academy graduate days, and how his playing at the top level has influenced his coaching of the present day. But first, for a more in-depth look at the academy season so far, I caught up with under-19s head coach Shane Eccles. So I'm here with under-19s head coach Shane Eccles. Shane, first of all, three from three so far this year. How do you think it's gone? Um, it's, it's been good so far. I think they've, the players have got better each game. Obviously, they've had a difficult time last year with no games happening. So we've had a different pre-season. Um, and gradually, the intensity of the games have built up and the progress of the players has improved gradually over the three games. So I think we're, they're in a good place and there's a lot of things they can keep improving on to, to make the step up. But so far, it's been good. 
wins against Bradford, Huddersfield and St. Helens, those three games. What are the highlights from those games can you take from? Um, I think the highlights are, obviously, like I said, lads missing so much rugby last year, getting back into it and it being fast-flowing, free-flowing. Um, all the lads have come back and they're desperate to play to play rugby, so to see them back on the field and enjoying what they're doing has been great. Obviously, the winning comes... For the, for, the, for the lads it's important, for us it's not as important, obviously we want to win, but just to see them back on the field, working on the skills and improving, that's that's the big thing for us. How's it been the past year for you as coaches and, and for the players as well? I suppose it's been very difficult the past year. Yeah, very very difficult, very strange as it has been for everyone. Um, we didn't have many on-field sessions or group sessions last year. There was a period where we came back in in November and then it all got stopped again for the for the next lockdown. So we've had to improvise, we've had to be creative. There's been a lot of online sessions, as I'm sure everyone else has. and It's been challenging, it's been difficult, but in a, in a way it's been a positive that we've had to adapt and react and come up with some new practices that we would have never thought of doing before. And it's a bit different as well this year. Obviously, you work close with, with Daryl Goulding, under-16s, under-17s and under-19s this year. Is that is that a bit difficult to, to cope with, having so many players in the group? Um, it's been difficult in terms of, like, like I've said a few times, we've gone from no games at all last year to two or three games every week. And our under-17s at the minute are playing a lot of games because they're playing 17s on a Wednesday and then 19s on a Saturday and then back in 17s again. So it's been difficult. Um, obviously, we lose players with concussions or injuries. So that then over, puts other players in to the mix and people get a chance to step up um, at the weekend we had a couple of players making their academy debut in what is a, an academy derby against St Helens it's just been great for the players to be playing games after such a long period without anything what's your goals for this year is it, is it mainly the wins or do you want to see the performances mostly no the the main goals is the performances and progressive players if at the end of this season we get three four players that step up into full-time training with the first team that that's the aim of the job for myself and Daryl and that's our goal every year to get more and more players going up so that the, the first team squad is bigger with academy products Shane Eccles there. Now, Daryl, uh, as a player, you were a product of the Wigan Warriors Academy. Now, what was your experience like coming through the ranks as a youngster? Uh, very pleasant, to be honest. I think it was, uh, <coughs> like I said, I, I probably came in when I was 12. It's probably a little bit different, the, the scholarship system then. Yeah. Um, got spotted playing over these fields, actually, near, nearby. Uh, came in 12 with a couple of lads with a, with a year above. and. And like I said, it, it was all, all great really at the time. I think it was just, uh, my members are just enjoying playing rugby, coming here and I didn't feel any pressure really. It was it was just, like I said, an enjoyment factor being at the club. Uh, and then coming through the academy days, it was great playing with the likes of, some of the lads we went on with, the likes of Sam and Joel and players like that. It's uh, yeah, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a great path for me really. What are the biggest differences do you feel uh, to the process uh, compared to, to when you began? The, the biggest from, in, in terms of my, my role, I think the, the biggest difference would be at, at that, that time it was almost whatever town you was from. So for me being a Wigan lad, I didn't really, um, if Wigan wanted me, that was it. That, yeah. that was simply it really in them days. You could take, I think it was free players out of the area in your scholarship intake. Now it is literally a free for all in terms of every kid around this, this area mm -hmm. in Yorkshire included, it'll be Wigan, Saints, Leeds, Warrington, we're all going for some of the same kids. So. You find that there's there's some real battles to try and get them kids these days. I mean, and having gone through that yourself with the academy, has that helped you kind of engage with the lads that are under your wing now? I suppose it must have been a you know a great thing to pass on that. 
that experience. Yeah, I think it definitely, definitely is. I think it's one stage of the club, I think, over everything, what I probably have um, the closest ties to that really with the academy. I think from an enjoyment point of view, I think it's where the journey comes up, becomes a lot serious, but at the same time, we want to almost make them feel that it's not quite that pressure situation mm -hmm. in the first team. But yeah, I think it's, I can pass on whatever I can, I think all the other staff do, and I think it's just, a, it's great to see, like I said, the joy of when they come in first to, to almost in the academy where you start seeing that potential really come through and then hopefully kick onto the first team level for them. And you went on to achieve great things uh, for Wigan, winning two grand finals and a Challenge Cup as well. What were your fondest memories from playing for Wigan? Uh, it's tough. I think the, the obvious one is obviously the, the wins, I think, and, and the mm -hmm. trophies. I think that will be, I think 2010 grand final will always stick, <coughs> stick in the players just because of the fact we'd gone through that period for so long. When I, when I broke to the first team, it was a very different place here. We were struggling. Um, probably got thrown in too young, I think quite a lot of lads did at the, at the time. Um, and then to, to obviously go through all that, and in, it was generally the same group of players really in that 2010 that went on to do it. So I think it, it, it meant a lot really to us to, to have that joy. I remember seeing Lockers lift, I think for Lockers in, in particular, I think it was a, a real special moment and, and something that will always stay with me. But I think the, the other area, and I think I hear a lot of ex-players say this really, was probably just the, the experiences away from probably playing rugby, just the going to different places, travelling really, you get to travel around the world some of these times playing games and uh, just memories of that really I think is mm. something that you take away. Who were the biggest influences for mentors during your time? Uh, probably a few, I think my, my granddad was one as, as a kid to be honest, he, he was the one who always gave me play rugby, he was always a footballer really mm. for a long time but he was uh, at St Pat's for a long time uh, in, in a few different roles there so he was always getting me play rugby and, and so was my brother really with that. Um, after that, it was probably Brian Foley brought me here, brought me here as a kid, really, and uh, someone who's, who's always had them links. And then probably onto the when I got a bit older, probably Wayne, Wayne was my academy coach and uh, also involved with my reserves all the way to first team, where there's probably a couple points in my career there where I nearly went elsewhere in different things, and, and probably Wayne himself probably fought for me a few times to keep me at the club, and uh, something I'm grateful for. I mean. <laughs> You, I mean, you hung up your boots relatively early. Like, was that a hard decision? And was coaching a, always a, a natural path for you after that? Uh, it, it was a tough decision. It, it was, to be honest, uh, retiring. But it was, a, it was a strange one. I spoke to a lot of specialists at the time. And a lot of them spoke about Chris Brooks, really speak to Chris Brooks. And I know Brooks from a long time, mm. from, from the club here, obviously. Um, as soon as I spoke to Brooks, I, I sort of had it in my head before I, I spoke to him. <coughs> I knew that if he told me, that that would be it, really. Um, what, what was it? That was uh, it? it was concussions in the end. I had, had quite a lot of concussions. Oh, Obviously, right. I had a record here, here with that as well. And uh, I also had a heart condition as, as well. So it was, it was linked with them both, really. Um, but, but Chris, as soon as I started chatting for a bit, he said, if it was my son, you won't be playing, I won't be letting him play rugby. And it sort of, from that point then, I knew yeah. um, rugby wasn't an option anymore. I, I had to move on and it, and it was tough for a while. And... Coaching was never on the on the agenda, really. If I'm honest, it really? was uh, something as I as I got older in my playing career, I did probably a little bit more. Uh, but it was still something I wasn't really really that keen on at the time. I was doing a lot of different things, and I got an opportunity to help out with the young kids here, uh, just in a volunteer role. And I, I did that, and, and straight away as I did that, I think it sort of probably lit a bit of a spark with me again. Uh, and probably like you said before, Joe, the enjoyment of, of the young kids and seeing what effect you can have on them, uh, it suddenly started changing my mindset really. I mean, you've had tremendous success with, with the academy setup. Numerous grand finals, year on year on year, and we know that this club—it's that, that famous production line, isn't it? Um, how has your experiences as a player 
inform the way that you coach now? Or maybe have you taken little bits from coaches that you've worked under as well? Yeah, I think that would be the big one. I think um, yeah. t- taking them little bits and, and, and certain experiences and, and trying to, I think the big one is trying to learn all the time on, on the job. I know it sounds an obvious thing that, but in terms of I think the game's changing, I think uh, life's changing. That's something I, I'm learning all the time in terms of the lads we've got coming through are different. They have different different issues coming through. Like when I, when I played really, social media was not an issue. No. Um, which obviously now, if I'm being honest, 99% of problems come through social yeah. media yeah. In, terms <laughs> yeah. of, in terms of the kids we have. Yeah. Uh, so it's probably educating ourselves a little bit and educating the players. And, and like I said, almost from our pathway, giving as much education as we can in loads of different areas to, so that when it does come to these moments in their lives, they make informed decisions really and, uh, and hopefully go on the, the right path. For you personally, what has that transition been like from playing rugby to now coaching rugby? Uh, it's been tough, I'll be honest. It's been a tough one. I think um, I finished playing and for a period after that, I think it was a real enjoyment in terms of your life so regimented playing rugby in terms of what you do and, and everything's done for you. It's easy, if I'm honest, like a lot of it. Um, probably a bit of enjoyment at first because you've got a bit of freedom. And then so I had a period where it was tough. I ended up going... I went college for a little bit doing a course and if I'm honest it was just to do something, just to keep me busy really and, and keep my mind active. Um, and like I said, it, it, it was a real struggle until I got back in. As soon as I literally got back into coaching, uh, back into the club I mean with that, um, it straight away, because you almost have a focus really for them lads that, it's not your career anymore, but them lads' careers that mm. um, you don't switch off. Like I don't, I don't have a minute of the day now, I don't switch off thinking about one of the players or, or one of the teams or something. and. Uh, it's not for everyone that, but I, I yeah. quite enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> just, just to add to that as well, as head of youth, uh, you know, personally for you, what does success look like for you at Wigan as head of youth? Uh, it, it, it's a t- it's a tough one. This I think sometimes as a coach, I speak to Shane. Me and Shane have these discussions all the time about, about different areas. But I think <clears> it's uh, it's almost letting your ego go a little bit. With winning and losing, shouldn't really matter to some extent with these kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us, it's about getting players, as many players as we can get through and improving the quality and getting through to the first team. It is tough and I think there are, it's judging on balance because there's times when, when winning still is important at times for some of them, for the, more from a mental development point of view. Yeah. Uh, academy, if, we, if we're doing our job, I think some of the things what you see with the academy wins and things like that in the grand finals is almost a byproduct really. Um, the test for us will still always be getting them players through um, and, and that's what we pride ourselves on really. Yeah. Well, speaking of social media, uh, as ever, we reached. You like that? Uh, we reached out, of course, as we always do, to our, to the fans over Instagram uh, to get your questions. Uh, and this obviously is for Daryl this week. So, Alistair, what have we got? Yes. Yeah, so the first one, uh, Daryl, is from Rachel Gibbons on Instagram. Uh, the best player you've played with and against? Oh, tough one. Uh, I think the. The, the best player I've played with, I think he, I've played with some, some good players, some really good players. I think Lockers is the one that always stands out to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, reason being is just, he can do everything. Like it, it, mm-hmm. he, can, he can carry the ball like a prop forward, he can play like an halfback. It, the, whole, the whole range he had. Uh, the other one who really stands out is player I play with would be Sam. Um, just because Sam Tompkins, I think, had a period when I played with him, probably his best. I, I got to play with him through that period. and I don't think I've seen many who's had that absolute magical period he had like, like I said 
he just during that time no one could touch him. Uh, so I think I think those two from playing playing where we really stand out. The playing against um, was definitely for me Cameron Smith. I played playing against Australia in, in the Test game and I've never been on a field with someone where I felt like it was literally it felt like a training run and he was in control of it. And it, it wasn't the flash things. He doesn't really run the ball that much or anything. It's just it was literally played at his speed. It was uh, like like I said, he stood out above anyone that day. I mean, just to add to that as well, you know, Sam was there from there. Start, you was there with Sam when he started the game. So you know, to say that is a credit to him as well. Yeah, and I think, uh, like I said, I've grown up with Sam in that sort of age. Just some of the lads are still playing now and that. But I think uh, the thing that the testament with him was he's always a rugby player, and I think you see now he's still up there as one of the best players in Super League now. Uh, so, like I said, it's, it's a big credit to him, really. Brilliant. Uh, the next one is from Matty Noble. Uh, what is it like to score in a grand final? Uh, yeah, it, an, an unbelievable feeling. I think it's, uh, like I said, that probably both very different scenarios. I think scoring in 2010 was, like I said, just the, the occasion of not doing it for so long. Uh, as, a, as a club and obviously my first grand final uh, was was very special and, and playing outside Gleese is uh, Gleese was what a, what a player he was and a lot, a lot of them players were so I think yeah scoring that try I only had put put, put the ball down really with mm. what Gleese had done uh, but yeah like I said that was a great feeling and, and Warrington a completely different scenario I think me and Josh went into that game having not trained ever very much and we went in and probably had the worst first half of our lives to be honest <laughs> in that and um, Scoring that try then sort of built a bit of momentum and, and probably a bit of relief. Like I said, we, we finally at that point felt like, right, we're clicking again a little bit now. And, and the second half, like I said, it, it's history now and that. But yeah, um, the biggest occasions and, and, and being able to score them is something, like you said, that um, when I do think about it, yeah, it's a great feeling. Next one, uh, Empire 203. Uh, what part of your job do you find most rewarding? Yeah. I think the most rewarding for me is probably a bit split. I think first spotting players, I think he's he's very rewarding. I think it's something what I love now. I could be anywhere. Like on Sunday, I'll be going games. I could be anywhere. I could be saddled with watching mm. a thirteen-year-old. I could be I could be anywhere. And, and sometimes just seeing that initial spurt where you see I see something in him. I remember watching Josh Horrocks, for instance, playing a school game and not playing much rugby at the time, mm. and seeing what. It, what I thought he could do and now seeing him play first team I think seeing that journey like I said is probably the most rewarding and, and on the negative side of that is probably when lads have to leave the club doing the best we can as a club to, to make sure they leave on good terms with a good experience and we set them up for a life somewhere else playing rugby mm. if that's what it is or, or that the life is settled away from me that's probably the toughest bit but I, I almost feel it takes some pride in that I get to do that and I know that I can do it the best I can yeah and the final one, uh, Ty Robert Five, <coughs> also on Instagram. Uh, what does it take to become a pro? Uh, pro probably sacrifice. I think is the toughest thing for a, a lot of players and uh, the lads I see now. I think there's, like I said, now especially they've got a lot of pressures on them. A lot in terms of, like I said, the the, the, like the perceived life of, of social mm -hmm. media and different things what go on, and they sacrifice a lot. Like a lot of the, these lads will have friends who are going out every single weekend and they can't do it and. They give up a lot of hours really to train already when they're doing work or college and, and things like that to to finally get the rewards at the end. And sometimes it's a, it's a long, long period that before they finally mm. taste that reward really. And um, I think that would that would be the biggest one. Them them hard days where you see lads today. They've had, they've had some of the lads in doing prowlers, which you know all yourself they're not nice. <laughs> are they? uh, doing that type of thing and constantly wanting to do it every day to to make sure they, they improve on the field. I think it probably takes a lot of effort that. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Daz, for, for answering those. Uh, so we'll be asking listeners for more questions 
uh, for our next podcast to make so stay tuned uh, for all uh, social media channels Wigan Warriors RL yeah or you can get in touch with us the old fashioned way via the email at podcast <laughs> at wigganwarriors.com so that's the end of the podcast Daz thank you for coming to speak to us today very honest and uh, very insightful as well no problem thank you for having me thank you for coming in thank you for watching and thank you for listening until next time bye bye <laughs>